without a goal. They scored two in 30 seconds at the end of regulation, early in OT, and they win it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Forever Mighty podcast. Uh, this is Steven with a Ducks off season, which is all that matters. There's nothing else going on in hockey uh, podcast. Um, the other guys aren't here. But fortunately, I do have a wonderful guest tonight who's going to help us just kind of talk about some of the stuff going on in Anaheim Ducks land. Uh, so with me tonight is Sierra, uh, who is the site expert, managing editor, uh, woman extraordinaire from Pucks of a Feather. Hi, Sierra. Hello. Thank you for the kind intro. Max Jones, BFF committee is now in session. Exactly. That's all that we're talking about tonight. Just so everybody knows, we're going to talk about Max Jones, why he is wonderful and beautiful, and uh, what that means for the rest of you going forward. (laughs) Exactly. So, Max Jones' hair. Actually, it's funny because I do think Max Jones looks like a duck, like physically. Like, Corey Perry (laughs) looked like a duck, too, and John Allers looks like a duck. I don't know. It's very funny to me. People just have ducky faces. I guess so. (laughs) uh so there's really nothing going on right now uh in anaheim land so i have no idea what we're going to talk about tonight uh but let's start with the fun thing uh so the draft lottery has already happened anaheim fell from two to three uh with seattle winning and buffalo staying in place so buffalo is one um Seattle is two, Anaheim is three. It is assumed at this point that Power will go one and Beneers will go two. If that's the case, Sierra, who would you like to see Anaheim take? Um, so I am really big on Dylan. I think it's Dylan Gunther. I think that's how you pronounce his name. That's fine. I, I'm notorious for pronouncing last names wrong. So oh, don't I... worry about it. Okay. I get in trouble for that okay. all the time. Okay, perfect. Um, but, you know... I really think the Ducks need to fill a need with this draft pick where they really need goal scoring. That's there. There's no question about it. So, (laughs) I mean, we've got Zegras, who's like this great playmaker. And then we got the defenseman last year with Jamie Drysdale. And so why not go after a guy who can score? Right. Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? Because every time the draft comes around, we hear a lot of best player available and all this kind of stuff. And it's it's important to keep in mind, I think it is almost always the best course of action because, you know, as Bob Murray alluded to, and then the whole thing happened. But like, you can always trade the player that you take. um, And that is a, a potential way to get the maximum value for the pick and all that kind of thing. But the thing is, is that goal scoring isn't a positional need. Mm-hmm. it's it's a skill set you yeah. know and i it's one of those things like if there was a defenseman out there that people thought could score 30 goals in a year and they took him i wouldn't mind you know what i mean so mm-hmm. i i 100% get it and it's it's funny like i i don't know if this is where it came from but you kind of hesitated as far as like how to say what they needed and it's just like they don't necessarily need a forward but like they definitely need a forward because we definitely ask forwards to score goals exactly (laughs) and it's like i know that there is a lot of um doubt i guess when it comes to the development of like whl players um but it's like for once in his career i would love to see bob murray take a risk like that with the pick yeah Mm -hmm. yeah he is uh notoriously conservative bob murray is very much so um so what 
I don't want to put you on the spot too much, but what is it about Genther that you, or Gunther, however we're going to say it, uh, that you think would fit with Anaheim or fill that kind of need? That is a very good question. And I did write an article about this, but I am totally <laughs> blanking right now. I don't know. I just, I was watching like highlights from his season and just the way that he plays. And I just feel like overall, yes, there's still some development that needs to happen. He has areas he needs to work on. But I think it was Corey Pronman who wrote it. Um, he said that his real only flaw is like he doesn't play center. And if the Ducks already feel like they have their number one center of the future in Zegras, why not go for a player who can be serviceable on the wing? Mm-hmm. No, I, I definitely understand that. I think... Um... You know, it's really interesting because everything that I've heard about Gunther is that he has the ability to score goals, but he also just is a little bit more of kind of a well-rounded, do-it-all kind of guy who has, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, more offensive upside than some of the guys who typically kind of get that tag. And I think that's, you know, that's such an interesting prospect because I just think Anaheim has so clearly shown a you know a, a preference for trying to get guys who are 200 foot players or complete players and things like that and exactly. so um you know i definitely see how gunther kind of fits in there um i know i think eric stevens wrote an article about uh, mason mctavish who mm-hmm. i know is supposed to have some 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 finishing ability um yeah it's it's a weird spot um I I think if you asked me right now, I would probably, I, I might say Hughes. Just Hughes be, is another one that I really like too. I, yeah. So, okay. So let me ask this question. If, if for some reason the draft goes drafty, and one of Power or Baneers falls, do you think the Ducks should automatically grab them? Or do you still think they should go for, let's say, a Genther or an Eklund, who are supposed to be the more offensive wingers? Um, in my honest opinion, no, I don't think we should go after either. Just because looking down the road at like the next two drafts, the Ducks can get an even better product as far as, like, center or defenseman, I feel, just because I feel like the next two drafts are a lot... Not that this one is exactly weak, but I just feel like the next two are a lot stronger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they definitely feel like they have that standout player at the top, two or three guys at the top. I know, you know, yes. Eddie. Eddie has been so excited about Connor Bedard, and then yeah. there's that, that Russian kid that's supposed to be an absolute stud. Yes. It's like Mikheyev or something like that, I think. Yeah, I, I'm not even going to attempt to yeah. pronounce it. Oh, name. no, don't worry about it. I'll, get, <laughs> I'll take all the heat for that. That's not an issue. Um, yeah, so I just, I think, I think they find themselves in a weird spot. I, I for me, if he was there, I would take Beneers every time. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but I, I have, you know, old man hockey brain. And, like, for me, <laughs> the idea of, you know, kind of drafting the Kessler to Zegers' Getzlov. Mm-hmm. is okay. something that I think is very alluring. You know, it would be very hard for me to say if you can walk into having 
you know, and the other thing that's weird, you know, about drafts is like, the odds are they're not going to play in the NHL. Yeah. And that's a weird thing to kind of balance with the, you know, the prospect and like who is the best choice and who has the, you know, and the, so that you mm-hmm. get into the whole floor versus ceiling kind of conversation. But I think the opportunity to, in three years, have your top two centers and at the very least a top pair defenseman, I, I think would be very hard for me to walk away from, you know, and I think I always like like national team connections you know Mm -hmm. like right now we have the whole Swedenheim thing and all those guys play together (laughs) but like you know Zegris and Beneers are going to be probably you know assuming everything goes well like for them they are going to be on the U.S. teams for the next few years that is a good point and so I think just having them I I don't know why because it doesn't really make any actual sense because we see all these great teams and duos of guys who like you know aren't like Malkin and Crosby. Like, if you said, oh, yeah, one of the best teams of the era is going to have a Russian and a mm-hmm. Canadian, you're just like, I don't think that's how that works. But, like, you know, I really like the idea, which is also why, you know, I would love to grab, like, Cole Caulfield, because I'm like, oh, oh yes, bring yeah. all the good American boys to Anaheim <laughs> and let them hang out, and it's very nice. I think this draft is is going to be very interesting. Um, if... Do you have someone else who is maybe behind Genther in your kind of personal pecking order that you're interested in or excited about? I know you mentioned that you thought Luke Hughes was an interesting choice. Yes, I do think Luke Hughes is an interesting choice. Um, Another, it's not necessarily my, this was like, you know, there's like all the talk right now. I know we're going to probably get to it later, but there's a lot of talk right now about fans wanting to send Gibson to Colorado. And we have Lucas Dostal. But then there's another goaltender who's like... Wallstedt? Yes. Yes, yeah. that guy. Yeah. Plus, he's Swedish, so... Yeah, Swedish no, time. that seems to work well for but, us. But um, I thought that was a really interesting um, idea. But that would all depend on, I think, what the Ducks want to do in the off season as far as um, Gibson goes, which at this point I'm not necessarily sure where their heads are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... It, this summer, it, it's weird because it's felt like every summer for the last couple summers, it's felt kind of like it was going to be critical. And this one feels the most tangibly critical. And it, it, there's almost this kind of like weird tension among Ducks fans on Twitter because oh, yes. there's so many different kind of plays that are out there and Anaheim is in this weird place where, you know, I don't feel like Anaheim has been in this position for a while, um, you know, where they have the kind of assets to go out and and make one of these trades. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. the big benefit of the Kessler trade was that they had the pick from the Bobby Ryan trade. And so, you know, you have all these kind of, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Just like cascading effects. Exactly. You know, and, and, there's rumors about Jack Eichel and there's rumors about Pierre-Luc Dubois. And then there's, like you said, you know, a lot of people, myself included at times, you know, it's absolutely been, let's just blow the whole damn thing up. See yep. if we can get Bedard and call it, you know what I mean? But like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just, it does very much feel like one of those things where it's like over the next couple of months, we're going to probably have a better idea than not what the next four or five years are going to look like. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, 
would you would you look to trade this pick for a player maybe in an age range where the Anaheim is kind of look like you know like kind of that elusive twenty to twenty three range? Yeah, you know, um, I would I would definitely wouldn't be against it. It just honestly depends on who it is and what else we're giving up. Right. Yeah, I think um, I think it's such an interesting thing. I think you know, uh, Detroit has two picks and Columbus has three picks, and I mm-hmm. think New Jersey has two picks. And so the opportunity, I think, to trade down this year is is very interesting, and it presents a lot of opportunities for the team to get creative. And, mm-hmm. you know, as we said earlier, like, Bob Murray is definitely more of a, a conservative-style uh, GM uh, by nature. And so, you know, you wonder about, trading down and if there's even things like that that he would be interested in mm-hmm. um but so another name that has kind of come up um like i mentioned a second ago was pierre luc dubois do you think anaheim should make a run at him like look i don't want to well screw it we're just going to do the whole thing so the thing i think that's very interesting about pierre luc dubois being rumored to come back with anaheim is he presents a 80, 85% kind of facsimile to uh, Jack Eichel. Mm-hmm. And it would, it would make sense that the assets that Anaheim would have to give up to bring in Pierre-Luc Dubois would be significantly less than Jack Eichel. And so I think as sort of a cost assessment, risk-reward kind of thing, I think those two like looking at those two and kind of their last couple years presents an interesting kind of dichotomy like do you like would you trade this third pick for Pierre-Luc Dubois would you avoid Dubois entirely oh um I'm not against the idea of trading for him um I think like you said you know a lot of fans have been kind of on the Eichel train lately um I'll get to my feelings about that later. Um, Oh, we're going to get there. Yes, yes. Um, But, I mean, if you were to bring in Dubois, he only has, I think, one year left on his contract. Mm -hmm. So, if it doesn't work out, it's just one season. He's also making $5 million a season, whereas Jack Eichel is making $10 million. Right. Plus, Eichel is signed until, like, 2026, so... It's not the ducks don't have as much flexibility there, um, and well, sure, Eichel has probably put up more points than him in the last like few seasons. I know, I think Dubois had a few more points than him this year, um, but you're still getting a good product, and you're probably going to be giving away less assets mm-hmm. for the player. I just I like that trade better, and like it just makes more sense in my head. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree. You know, I, I wonder, you know, if given that they're both kind of expiring and although PLD, I'm sorry, I'm speaking in uh, Twitter like an idiot. <laughs> You're good. Uh, given that Dubois uh, is going to be an RFA, but Lindholm is a more proven commodity, I do wonder if, you know, uh, you could almost kind of make a one-for-one trade with those two because... We saw Winnipeg needs defense. Yeah, they just have nobody back there. Like, I like Dylan DeMello a lot, mm-hmm. but he needs to be a bottom three guy and not a top four guy. 
Yeah. You know, I just don't think, I think if he's, you know, your sixth defenseman, your, your Johnny Oduya type, I think you're in a really great spot. I think if he starts to move up the lineup a little bit, you can start to see the limitations that he has as a player. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I wonder about that, you know. I know at the trade deadline, everybody was really hoping to, you know, get Cole Perfetti or something like that in a, yeah. a Manson trade or something like that. And yeah, I'm, you know, not against that by any means. But I just think, you know, it, it seems to me that if Manson was willing to go to Winnipeg, I genuinely believe he'd be there right now. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad I'm, I don't feel insane about that. Um, no. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I guess we should just jump right into it. And we'll do this this way, where I will read two very fun questions. So the first question, since this is technically a mailbag, Chase, uh, what do you think of the rumors that the Ducks are willing to part ways with Zegris or Dreesdale in a trade for Jack Eichel? And Josh Nash asks, with the rumors floating around that Buffalo thinks it will have two picks in the top 10, if that second pick is Anaheim's in a potential Eichel trade, where do you stand on that? So the one thing I want to say real quick is, to the best of my understanding, the Ducks are not willing to part with Zegers or Dreesdale. And if that has changed, that has not become public. Uh, mm. So just I, I just want to get that out of the way real quick. But still, uh, you know, either of them, both of them in a trade, whatever, the third overall pick. Where are you at on this uh, Jack to Anaheim saga. Do you want the long answer or the short answer? Oh, the long answer every time. Okay. Um, no, <laughs> I I don't like it. Um, there are many reasons. Um, I think he's a great player. I mean, he went second overall in the draft. I mean, there's a reason for that. <sighs> but I don't know. I just see. I felt this way a lot when like everybody was like. Let's go after Eric Carlson. And I was like, no. And now, <laughs> and now you see, like, the Sharks, right? Right. Um, I don't know. Like you said, I don't think that Bob Murray is going to be willing to give up Zegras or Drysdale because those are, like, they're like our babies, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, protect them at all costs. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. It's just, like... I know that Anaheim is rumored to be one of the top teams that is, like, in discussion with Buffalo right now, and that honestly scares me because I feel like if Bob Murray does pull the trigger, he's going to do something that I absolutely hate. And, like, don't get me wrong. I I love Ducks fans, but I know that they're all going to be like, Bob Murray, do something, and as soon as Bob Murray do something, they're going to be like, no, not that. Yeah, no, I – man, look – if if we want to turn this into a bitching about Ducks fans, of which I am one and you are one. So yes. it's not, you know, like we're pushing people under the bus. We're laying down as well. Like, I think, um, you know, I, I, I do think there is a degree to which Anaheim fans are constantly antsy and constantly uh, kind of agitated about whatever it is he is or isn't doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you remove the ducklings as it were, mm-hmm. from it. Are you open to the idea of Jack Eichel? You know, that the neck injury um, is scary. The fact that, that scary. he wants a still semi-experimental surgery. Like, 
you know, is allegedly part of the significant tension that has kind of built up over the last year as far as him now just kind of being done with the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just think it's such a weird situation. You know, I just think there's so many variables from so many sides that you can really make an argument that everybody and nobody has all the leverage. Yes. So if you remove the two kids, are does that kind of quell your fears a little bit or are you mm-hmm. still pretty against it? Well, like you said, the injury is pretty scary. And mm-hmm. the Ducks have a history of kind of um, not managing injuries well. Mm-hmm. So there's that fear. And then my... The other thing that is concerning is that Jack Eichel has been so open about wanting a trade, and it's like he's the captain of the Buffalo Sabres, right? And it's to me, it just feels like, like yes, I get it, you want to trade because Buffalo sucks. But to me, it's like his way of coming out and being like, okay, I'm going to give up when the going gets tough, and I'm not going to stick with it. So it's like if he comes to Anaheim, like, Anaheim wasn't much better than Buffalo this year. So what happens when <laughs> Anaheim is still horrible? It's basically he's going from one bad situation to another, and I just don't know if he's the kind of player who will handle that well. And I don't want that kind of energy on the team. Yeah, no, I. it's it's weird, right? You know, because I think we saw the exact same thing with Ryan O'Reilly, mm-hmm. and he got to St. Louis, and it was great. Now he's the captain, and everybody loves him there, and, you know, it's a whole thing, and... You know, like you said, it's it's one of those things where you do wonder where the player's head is at, where he's at emotionally. And, like, you know, that's the thing I think for me that's always been the hardest part of the Jack Eichels trade is he's basically trading 15-degree winners for 70-degree winners, but that's about it. Exactly. You know, I, I don't... And I guess this has been one of the significant points of debate which is is Anaheim a Jack Eichel away yes or no and depending on what your answer is like what does that mean for him being there what does that mean for the timeline does that mean they need to be more aggressive you know things like Mm -hmm. that so like it seems and I don't want to speak for you but it seems like you're not of the mind that Jack Eichel comes to the team and they walk into the playoffs oh yeah I'm Sure, he's definitely going to be an improvement to the team because, I mean, how could he not be? But I don't think he's the fix-all. I think he's just like, it's like putting a Band-Aid on an open wound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, I think the roster's in a, the roster's just in a weird place. And, you know, I don't, I don't know where you're at on him, but like at this point, I, I almost want Sam Steele to get traded. Yeah. I like him. I really mm-hmm. do. I had a lot of high hopes for him. And I think those high hopes have been um you know unfortunately kind of been part of some of the questions that have started to arise and i think the questions are legitimate you know he's a first round pick late being late round pick that it was still a first round pick and you want Mm -hmm. you want a certain level of production and value ignoring like we said earlier most of these guys don't make the league um but you know you you send out a young center and then you bring in a slightly older, much better, much more established center, but on a big contract. And mm-hmm. now there's these expectations about, you know, like, it's, yeah, I, I think I'm with you in so much as, like, I don't know, you know, depending on what it costs to give up, 
you know, I don't know that Jack Eichel, Hampus Lindholm, and John Gibson is enough. And I, yeah. you know, and so I just think, you know, maybe if he's willing to wait, right? Or maybe if this surgery that he wants is going to keep him out for a little while longer, maybe there's something to be said of take a year off. We're going to keep this going. We're going to just tough it out. And we're going to see where we are, you know, in a year when hopefully the cap will go up. We'll have a better idea of who does and does not fit into the core going forward. But, I, you know, that seems unlikely because he does seem to have a level of, of, of impatience, which is fair. Mm-hmm. He's young. He, he's really fucking good. He wants mm-hmm. to win. I'm, I am not upset about that, but it just, like you said, there are questions about what happens when he comes to a situation that feels very similar as far as the on-ice product. And, you know, I, I do think Anaheim, as much crap as they get, is a much better run and functioning organization than Buffalo is. I do agree with that. You know, I think there are a lot of questions about what it does for the timeline and it, you know, if it doesn't cost those two kids, I think maybe you can talk me into it depending on what goes the other way. But I definitely think if it's at the cost of the two kids that it it, it becomes not worth it because I think, you know, I think somebody said this on Twitter in the Forever Mighty replies, but they were just saying, like, Eichel's not the guy, like, Zegris isn't the guy you give up to get Eichel. He's the guy that you put with Eichel. Exactly. And, you know, there is... You know, Zach Lowe is a basketball writer. He's one of my favorites. And he always says, at a certain point, you have to give to get. And, like, if you don't want to make the trade, that's fine. But this is what it costs. Mm -hmm. And, like, I understand, like, if you're the Sabres, you're like, no, no, no. We want both of them because this is a heart candidate. Yeah. Like, that's perfectly reasonable. But Anaheim isn't in a position where adding a heart candidate is the difference, which is mm-hmm. why you have two top 10 picks that are being asked for in trade discussions. Exactly. You know, and so, I don't know. I just think it's such a weird thing, and I'm, I, I am, I gotta be honest, I am not 100% sure whenever the Jack Eichel thing does eventually settle down and we figure out what's happening, I don't know that I'll, I'll be happy any which way it goes, just because mm-hmm. if he goes somewhere else, it might feel like a missed opportunity, but yeah. if he comes, then it's like, oh, what got given up? You know, and I just think, like we said, like, I think this summer is going to be very important and very telling for what Anaheim fans can expect for the next handful of years. I totally agree. And it's nice that we have a little bit of flexibility with all the the cap space that we're going to have. And that's another, like, one of my mm-hmm. issues because it's like, do we really want to bring in a $10 million contract? When we could go out and get maybe one or two, like two other players, of that could help. I don't know. It's just no, yeah. The it's... contract kind of scares me, and just there's just so many things that like make me nervous about a potential Eichel trade. No, a hundred percent. I will say again, the one thing I do love about it is that he is an American, and I do think Orange County, being Orange County, bringing in an American star player could be yeah. a really big boost for the Anaheim market, you know, and for the fans. And, you know, when people in Orange County see someone that they're going to watch in the Olympics, I, I think mm-hmm. that'll help make a difference. Um, 
you know, I, I think it mattered for the Kings that Jonathan Quick was an American. You know, I, I let me be like, I you know, Kings fans were going to be happy whoever the goalie was. But I do think mm-hmm. having that guy and having Dustin Brown, who's the captain, like that there's a, a bit of a tangible feeling, you know, like a bunch of us people, I should, I don't know, how are you going to say it? But like, we make fun of Toronto, like in the idea that mm. if they win a cup, it's going to be on the back of an American, you know? Mm. So, so that kind of stuff is all, all there. And I just, I don't know. I don't think that there's a right answer. Um, and I'll ultimately, we don't have any say in the matter. So I don't exactly, exactly. It's, it's hard to wonder about how much running yourself through the ringer is worth it. Do you have anything else that you would like to say about the Eichel situation? I don't think so. Like I said, I think my short answer is no. I, I'm like, will I be mad if he comes to Anaheim? No, because ultimately, like you said, I have no control over it. I will embrace any player that Bob Murray come brings in as long as they are a respectable person. (laughs) Yeah, right. um, Absolutely. (laughs) But in the long run, it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, no, I understand that. It's, it's an interesting thing, and I think, um, you know, I think a lot of people have tied themselves in knots trying to figure out what the right end of it is, and there just isn't mm-hmm. one. Yeah. You know, I, you know, like I said, I think you can say that everybody has leverage and everybody has the upper hand because of how unique the situation is. Mm-hmm. And there's every reason to be excited about a Jack Eichel type player. Yeah, absolutely. But when that goes from you know a 25 win team to a 30 win team like i don't know you know now you're burning 10 million dollars and so now you're like okay well this isn't necessarily bad but we only have a couple of years where it's even remotely workable right you know and like i said on twitter like i i would trade four first round picks for him tomorrow if it Mm. meant i could keep the kids just because i think where they're at where he's at and what that could mean you know i would expect those picks to be outside of the lottery um Mm -hmm. if they were able to keep that roster because i do think those kids are able to make that push Um, yeah but it's a risk and you know it's uh ammon what's his last name ammon smith uh, who writes for on the forecheck uh, the Preds blog for SB Nation, he wrote an interesting piece about, uh, well, he writes for Broad Street Bullies now too, but for Philadelphia offer-sheeting Elias Pettersson. Mm-hmm. Well, four first-round picks, I think, is the $10 million contract. And, like, I wonder if that would be a better, you know, way to use it, is yeah. to go offer-sheet a player, bring in someone on like Elias Pettersson, who's incredible, bring mm-hmm. him down, and, and, and now you're really building from the ground up. Exactly. You know, and I I don't know. I just think there's a thousand possibilities and what I think doesn't matter. But it is fun to to just kick this dumb stuff around. Yeah. It also, for me, um, there are a few players, like, in the prospect pool that I would love to see, you know, make their appearance on the team in the next few years. And depending, like, if the expansion drop doesn't go, like, I don't know about you, but, like, my hope is that in the expansion draft, that Seattle takes Henrik. Yeah, you're not but, getting any pushback from me on that at all. Okay. I mean, there are a few other players that, like, I'm like, yeah, go ahead, take them, whatever. Um, but 
it's like if you bring Eichel in and they don't take Henrik, it's like there's like mm-hmm. now we have all these players. And it's just kind of like, I feel like it's a roadblock, and I'm the kind of person who I love to see a homegrown product. Yep, absolutely. So it's like, if we wanted to bring in, like, Ben Wallavier Grew or, like, Jacob Perot or something like that, like, Eichel might be that player who stands in their way. Mm-hmm. And then they're dispendable, basically. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. You know, I think... Like, everybody knows I'm a huge Manson fan, and, like, I will defend him to the end of the earth. I love Josh Manson, and I think he gets way too much crap from fans. We are just deepening the best friend bond that we have slowly <laughs> developed, and I just want you to know that I love you forever now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, and one of the things that I like about Josh Manson contextually, situationally, is he was a late draft pick. Exactly. His dad was an enforcer. Like... Mm-hmm he plays that physical team first game and like for mm-hmm. me like that's the guy that like and it feels exploitive but it's i don't want it to seem that way but like that's the guy that you get to take one of those deals that's maybe a little bit lower yeah you know because he's like i want to be here this team put faith in me they put me in a position you know i'm wearing a letter a lot of games like mm-hmm. I 100% agree with you from that homegrown support system setting. Like, you can get guys on lesser contracts because they're already invested in the the organization. They've already, you know, hopefully the organization takes care of them. And by the time they come up, they're in a position where they feel completely supported and appreciated. If that's the case, it's hard not to want those guys on that team. Yeah. You know, um... So, uh, let's see here. Okay, so the next, I guess, big thing that happened, or since the other thing hasn't happened, the first big thing that's happened, is there has been changes to the Anaheim uh, front office and coaching staff. So, uh, recently the Ducks hired uh, Jeff Solomon to be the VP of Vice President of Hockey Operations, uh, and then they brought in Jeff Ward and Mike Stuthers to be uh, assistant coaches replacing Mark Morrison and Marty Wilford. There is some speculation that Marty Wilford might go back down uh, to San Diego. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think there is at this point any rumors about Mark Morrison. So uh, of those three, I guess we'll start with Jeff Solomon. Frank asks, does anyone feel that the VP of Hockey Ops, Jeff Solomon, has been given more power than Bob Murray with the recent assisting coaching changes? Is Solomon forcing Murray's hand in regards to the roster composition and maybe making him, you know, kind of feel like he kind of has a little bit of heat on him? How, what are your thoughts, I guess, on, on Solomon coming in? Honestly, like, I was really excited when I saw that he was coming in. Just because I feel like everybody in the Ducks front office has been there for mm-hmm. an eternity. And so when you have all the same people in the front office, you don't really get any new ideas because it's all the same people with the same ideas. So bringing somebody in from the outside who doesn't have that like 12-year attachment to the team can bring in fresh ideas and can be like, look this is what we can do to improve the team 
And I don't necessarily think that he's been given more like power than Bob Murray, but I think that it's really, I think it's a good thing for Murray because he has somebody to come alongside him and just be like, look, your ideas aren't working. So maybe this is what we can do. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely think there's, there's just inherent value in bringing someone in that has no allegiances or attachments to the organization or the roster and really give you that fresh pair of eyes. Mm-hmm. There, the other thing that I've, I've seen that I think is very interesting, and, and we see this happen with coaches a lot, where a coach will maybe kind of be having a bit of a struggling run um, and they bring in a recently fired head coach to be his assistant and everybody's kind of like okay so he's the replacement waiting in the wings mm-hmm. and like sometimes it doesn't happen like we saw with Jeff Blashill and Dan Bilesma in Detroit other times it does like Dan Bilesma and Mike Sullivan in Pittsburgh mm-hmm. and you know I think um there seems to be some speculation uh that Maybe Solomon was brought in to be the next GM, given that, you know, Murray's got one year left, and so you got one more year. You know what I mean? Do what you're going to do, and then we'll go from there. Mm -hmm. Does that seem like what it is, or do you think it is just trying to raise the level of the organization in the front office? You know, that's a good question, because we still have Madden, right? Mm-hmm. He's he's still here, so and everybody has been speculating for like years that he's like Murray's heir apparent. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what that means as far as you know that goes, but I mean I wouldn't be upset by it. Um, it's time for Murray to go, and if they want Solomon to replace him, it's like now just kind of seems like the perfect time for him to kind of come in and. Mm-hmm. You get know, his feet under him for prepa- a year. Yeah, start preparing to, to take over that role. Yeah, it, it's interesting, too. I actually hadn't thought about the Madden thing, but, like, you know, but just like you said, like, they just recently elevated him, and there was some, you know, I, I don't I don't know what to call it, but I guess, like, just talk that they had done that so he wouldn't leave, and that by yeah. affirming a, a bigger, more prominent role within, you know, the front office and management, that they were able to keep him. And so you tie that with Stuthers coming in, and now it's like, is this like a... Uh, Oh my goodness, why can't I think of his name? The guy with Dubas. Um, you got me. <laughs> I can't think of his name, but there is a there was another GM that they came in with Dubas because it was Shanahan, Lamarillo, and then Dubas and... Oh my god, I can't think of his name. It's going to piss me off. Stupid Eddie, he'd know this. Um, <laughs> but the two of them basically were kind of co-competing to take over and mm-hmm. it ended up being dubious and all sorts of that but like i wonder if it's that i wonder if it's they're expecting to move madden up and they want stuthers and matt or not stuthers uh solomon and madden to kind of start to develop a relationship and a rapport i mm-hmm. the madden part of it's very curious and then you know there's dave Nonis hanging out in the back drinking capri suns <laughs> and i just really hope he doesn't ruin everything yeah because he oh god um so I guess let's move to the the coaches. Uh, Jeff Ward comes. Uh, he was recently fired uh, by the Calgary Flames, which was very funny because that's where Daryl Sutter went. Exactly. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> uh, and I guess Stuthers was had been uh, free for a little bit. Uh, 
Robin, who does the Jewels from the Crown podcast. Uh, I retweeted her stuff from the Forever Mind account. She did. Uh, she gave, you know, some insight on him and just he's kind of a really good young players coach and things like that. Uh, there is some assumption that Ward is going to be handed the power play and that mm-hmm. he does a four forward, one D setup. <laughs> I feel like I'm just kind of throwing stuff at you and just seeing what you catch, but like, where are you at on the Ward and Stuthers coming in? You know, does it change your, your perspective for what's coming in the year? Does it not move the needle for you at all? Um, I think it's a lot like the shifts in the front office. Like I'm excited to see fresh faces kind of come in. I feel like um, it'll be good for Dallas. Um, and I know that Murray had like made some comments. I don't remember when it was, but I think it was shortly after Daryl Sutter left that he wanted to bring in another kind of like veteran coach. Mm-hmm. He's made him a couple um, times. To, so it's an interesting thing. To basically just, I guess, hold Eakin's hand and whatever. But I, I, I feel like bringing in Jeff Ward was kind of that move. And then, you know, I just, I was really worried that Bob Murray was just going to be like, let's just go with the same exact product we went with last season. But I'm glad to see him making moves and bringing in fresh faces um, behind the bench. I think that'll be good. Mm-hmm. A good change yeah. for, for everybody, honestly. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I You know, the Anaheim power play has been just a disaster for so long. Um, it's so interesting to me because, you know, I think last year we saw a noticeable improvement when Zegris came up and then doubly mm-hmm. so when Dreesdale came up. And you saw the value of having two players who had no attachment to the, you know, god-awful power play that we've been exactly. seeing for the last forever. And they just kind of didn't seem to be affected by, you know, mm. what feels like this, like, mental sludge around the power play. Yeah. And I, I wonder if maybe, um, you know, Stuthers and Ward, especially, obviously, being the guy who's might run it, if they can have a similar effect, you know, and in, in bringing in new guys to run the power play while you're simultaneously starting to move people out as far as aging, um, mm. you know, I think I, it seems like he's going to be back, but either way, I think Getzloff should be on the second power play unit. I think the mm-hmm. first power play, it should, should just be all kids. Yeah. Um, and so I, I do think, like you said, that there's a lot of potential for these new faces and new brains and new ideas to kind of start to affect some level of change, uh, when it comes to Anaheim special teams. Um, yeah. And, I mean, I know that a lot of people have been, like, yep. screaming for Bob Murray and Dallas Aikens both to be fired. But I honestly, like, yes, I there have been moments where I'm like, oh, my God, get these guys out of here. But, I mean, like, one more year, I feel like keeping them both is kind of the right move. I've always said Dallas Aikens, he's not going to be the coach that's going to take you to the Stanley Cup Finals. But he can be the coach to help you make that transition through the rebuild I feel like because he has that relationship I know we always talk about oh he has the relationship with the kids and we were all expecting it to be this great product but I I feel like even through this rebuild or retool or re whatever the hell you want to call it Bob Mm -hmm. Murray um, I feel like even though I don't like his coaching style and I think he is 
just I have my opinions about him. Um, but I feel like keeping him around until the end of his contract is the right choice. Yeah, I, you know, uh, <laughs> I try to water, like, just start rehashing things. But, like, I definitely saw his exit interview, and I loved it. Everything he mm-hmm. said was great, you know. I, I agree with you. I definitely think he's the coach before the coach. You know, yes. and he's the guy who gets you to a level and then the next guy comes in and he, he takes it up that next level or two. Exactly. And, you know, Dallas Aikens stresses professionalism. He stresses mm-hmm. fitness and, and, and the, the job aspects of being a professional hockey player. You know what I mean? Like, that matters to him. And I think when you have a roster of guys in their early 20s... I think that's huge. I don't think you just want the players being the ones to kind of help them adjust to life as an everyday NHL player. I think it's mm-hmm. it's invaluable to have those players around, and I don't yeah. think that can be discredited. But I think mm-hmm. having it also come from the coach helps kind of enforce that culture and create that kind of overall expectation for yeah. how you know players are expected to operate within the the Anaheim organization exactly yeah I yeah I I think you you said it right I there's definitely been times where I've wanted both of them gone mm-hmm. but you know I I 100% believe that when Bob Murray is gone and Anaheim fans take a break and it doesn't feel like he's right on top of them messing things up they're exactly. going to appreciate how good a job he did Yes. I, I have my quibbles. I have not been shy about it. But I think that there is a level of appreciation that he is not getting right now because we're too close to everything. Exactly. And, I mean, that's kind of how I felt after they fired Randy Carlyle. Hmm. Please explain. Like, I honestly... Sure, like, we probably shouldn't have hired him a second time, Right. Because you never go back to your ex. I don't know. I just feel like... I'm not going to say he was a great coach the second time around. But I feel like he gets a lot of crap that he doesn't necessarily deserve. I guess. If, um, if that makes sense. Do you I don't think, know. I just... Do you think that it was a combination of him and a roster issue? And that it kind of gets foisted onto him? Maybe a little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because you know, I, I, to your point, it is hard to argue with the fact that he did take them to a Western Conference final. Like, I that can't not matter. Yeah, um, and I mean, sure, like even in his uh, not his is the season. I think it was 2018 when they went to the Stanley Cup Finals, but they were swept by the Sharks. That was 2018, right? Or was that 2017? I can't remember. That was 2018. Oh, okay, that was the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, even. Even in that season, they were a 100-point team. No. Like, sure. Sorry. No, 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 no. Sorry. Anyways. Uh, that was the... F- they got swept by the Sharks in the first round. Yes. First okay. round, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. My brain. Um, yes, there were definitely issues on the team, and you could see it. And after that, I was like, okay, it's time to make that transition and get Randy Carlisle out, and then that didn't happen. And I think because it didn't happen, and because everybody thought that, you know, Bob Murray and Randy Carlisle were so attached to the hip, Mm -hmm. that it was kind of um, affecting Murray's judgment. Um, But Randy Carlisle still, like, he wasn't 
a horrible coach. Sure, his time in Anaheim should have come to an end earlier than it did, but I feel like after he was fired and I kind of had that moment to just, like, breathe and, like, not think about him being behind the bench and we got sweater vests instead, I was like, <laughs> okay, I can, I can appreciate what this man did for this team. That's interesting. I, I you know, it, it, it is very hard for me um, to appreciate the second version of Randy Carlisle. I think yeah. Randy Carlisle... That first run through, I think he was great. Obviously, Mm -hmm. you know, he had a young Getzloff and a young Perry and a Pronger and Niedermeyer and Solani Mm -hmm. and, you know, 24 or 5-year-old Chris Kunitz. Like, all these things. Like, I I get the totality of factors. But I do also think we have seen, time and time again, quality rosters not maximize their potential because of a coach Mm -hmm. holding them back. Yeah, And so I definitely think he should be appreciated for delivering Anaheim, you know, the first and only Stanley Cup. You know, he's the winningest coach that they've ever had. I, that's not mm-hmm. necessarily something I'm happy about, but it's a thing that's true. Um, so I, I do think you're right, though. I do think the personal relationship between the two of them, and I hadn't really thought about it this way, did kind of create a toxic atmosphere around mm-hmm. the entire situation that did kind of fair or unfair changed the way people viewed it because it really did feel like somebody asking their friend for a favor yeah exactly uh so to the extent of people being fired uh joseph roba roba joe i'm sorry buddy and r-o-b-b-a i love you but i just i don't anyways where are you guys at when it comes to ownership i simply can't believe dallas and bob are keeping their jobs after that horrendous year and it seems ownership is perfectly okay with watching it burn. I used to like them, but now I wonder how much they care about winning. I have a lot to say about this, but I would very much like you to go first. Um, I think I kind of already answered this with the fact that like, I do think that keeping Bob Murray and Dallas Eakins around for one more year is not a bad idea. Um, granted, I wish like Henry and Susan were more like... I wish... Because, like, okay, you remember when the New York Rangers were going through their rebuild and they sent out that letter to their fans basically Mm -hmm. saying, this is what we're doing, this is the plan, this is why we're doing it, we hope that you will, like, join us on this journey, but you're probably not going to like all the things that we do. And I wish that Henry and Susan would kind of come forward and address the fans, but I'm, I'm not to the point where I've lost complete faith in them yet. Yeah, no, I think you're 100% right. I definitely think that there is, you know, it's a it's a really interesting thing, right? Because you can look at it just across sports in general. You can see example of owners who are very present and are a very big part of the organization that is successful and isn't successful. And you can do the exact same thing on the other end, which is you have a lot of organizations where the owner isn't present and isn't a big part of the way that it is publicly functioning. And they're successful and not successful. And it becomes somewhat of a, you know, is this person, like, good at it regardless of the personality thing? But, yeah, but no, I, you know, I 100% think they've shown an incredible willingness to spend money. I I don't think, you know, the money that they've poured into San Diego, the money that they've poured into the rinks, that stuff matters. And to me, that shows 
a level of commitment that shows a level of dedication to the organization and the franchise and the fans. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I think I, I think it is understandable why they maybe don't want to pay somebody or two somebodies to not work. I, I think it is reasonable that keeping them this year isn't going to be a net negative in the long run, right? Mm-hmm. If the plan is to let them go or even just to give them one last kick at the can and say, prove it. This is your last yeah. shot. If you want to be here next year, I need you to show me why this year because it hasn't been good enough. I, I don't mind that. I appreciate the level of hands-off or I, I appreciate the steadiness yes. that they have shown as the owners, you know? They are never the story, good or bad. And, you know, when the team was doing great, maybe that was awesome because all the focus was on the players. But mm-hmm. the team isn't in that spot right now. And so now it does kind of become one of those things where it's like, well, where the hell are these guys? Like, they don't talk yeah. to us. We don't know what they're doing. Like, you know, and I just think it's an interesting thing because there's really no right answer. And mm-hmm. there's so much that as fans, we just don't know. You know, exactly. you know, Henry Samueli could be in in Bob Murray's office every morning being like, all right, I need you to tell me what we're doing today so I understand. Exactly. Or, or he could be on a yacht, you know, in the middle of <laughs> Barbados. Like, I, you know, there's no way to know. But I don't know that one way or the other, it, it makes it, you know, I just, I don't want to say that they don't care about winning. They've shown a willingness to spend money. I don't mm. want to say that they don't care about the fans. They've shown a willingness to spend money. Yeah. This is really the true first time where they've been the owners and there hasn't felt like there was a clear direction forward. When they mm. first came in, they already had Getzloff and Perry in the organization. You know, you had uh, Niedermeyer, you know, then you get the Bob Murray trade. You have Brian Burke, who's this lou- larger-than-life figure to mm. be in charge of the organization at this point and things like that. So I think that how this next couple of years play out will be very informative for how the fans kind of look at them going forward and what, what they kind of start to expect from them. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm 100% with you. I really do wish they would just come out and just say hi. Just yeah. just come stand out on the lawn and wave. You know what I mean? Yes. Just like let me know you're there. Like. It's very hard. Um, right. Like, I don't know. Like, you know how they're, like, doing all of those, like, all-access, like, mm-hmm. YouTube videos? It's like, why not just, like, have Henry or something sit down and be like, hey, guys, like, this is what's going on. <laughs> or even, like, send out a letter to the fans via, like, Twitter or something. Because, yep. like, you know, we're all there. So, DB Lowry asks... Should the Ducks and Avs try and put a package together? Guys like Rico, Lindholm, Gibson would fill huge needs for the Avs, and Colorado has the young talent, such as Bowen Byram and I think it's Alex Newhook, to Mm. entice the Ducks. So I will ask you specifically about the Avs. You mentioned it earlier as far as Gibson and the Grubauer situation and all that going forward. Like, Do you think... Anaheim should like do you think Bob Murray should be on the phone with Joe Sackick right now? Mm, 
I was like I don't hate the idea like I'm I'm kind of just like I'm one of those people who is kind of like alright it's time it's time to just blow it up and I feel like John Gibson is the one player on this team granted he didn't have the best season but I feel like he's the one player on this team that is kind of keeping the ducks from just like mm-hmm. which is a remarkable thing when you look at how bad they are yeah Exactly. And trading Gibson for young talent to a team who is basically has been a cup contender for the last few years, but just hasn't had that final piece to kind of get them over that threshold. I think it would be an enticing idea for both teams. Mm -hmm. And if I was Bob Murray, I would definitely explore it. Like if, like you said earlier, if this is kind of like the season where it's like, all right, prove it. Like, he can't leave any stone unturned. Right. Like, he's got to do something. Yeah. No, I, you know, I, I, you know, I think at this point, Gibson is the only player on this roster who has a claim to being a lead at their position. Uh, I think he is on a more than reasonable contract. And I, you know, I just think that you look at that Colorado team and you're like, damn they had like a top five top ten goalie like it's over they're just so good and you know i I love gibson man like i just he's so feisty and he's he he's just he's great i just love his his swagger and his passion and you know that one clip of him trying to get in a fight during one of the games i think it was like arizona (laughs) or something like i just love that but like i want him to have success i don't want him to be Corey Schneider, I guess, uh, you know, or something like that. And it, you know, if they go out and get a Jack Eichel and then they start looking to really be aggressive and start to turn this roster over, right? Get Henrik out of here. Keep Silverberg. See what Mm. you can do about Raquel. You know what I mean? But just start really making things happen. I would love to have Gibson be successful on this team. But unless they are really going to, like, just lean into it and really go for it, which is incredibly dangerous. I, mm-hmm. I think you have to absolutely pick up the phone and just see who's willing to give you something. And I, I think that it's hard to look at Colorado and not go, it just makes too much sense. Yeah. Plus, I mean, like, oh, and Byram, like, I, oh my God, I would love to have him on our team. Yeah, yeah, him and excellent. Hi, if they could get him and Newhook out of there, I mean, oh yeah, that's you know that's almost your Baneers thing, and you get another top pair defenseman. Like you could put Byram exactly. and Drysdale together for ten years. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, that would be that would be great. So oh, so good. I I kind of sent this to you last last night and just. Do you have any personal favorite, like, trade targets or free agent targets or or any little apples of your eye that's just kind of out there that you're kind of excited about or just crazy ideas you think are fun or interesting or anything like that? Um, honestly, not really. I'm just, I want this team to have direction, but I feel like right now they just don't. And so I'm just... We know Bob Murray. We know his habits. And I'm just expecting him to bring in more guys like Derek Grant 
and then I'm going to be pissed off for like months <laughs> up until preseason because there there are some players that you know are kind of interesting. There's um there's a player on the Florida Panthers. He's a free agent and I was kind of looking into Alex Oh yeah. Yeah. So he's like been someone that I've been starting to slowly kind of research just to see if he's somebody that I think would kind of fill a need for the Ducks because mm-hmm. I don't know much about him but just like I was looking at like his stats and stuff and it was just kind of intriguing um but you know Bob Murray hates me I can't have nice things except for Max Jones so <laughs> uh, no I you know I like literally in the course of one season he traded all of my favorite well he bought out Corey Perry and then traded all of my favorite players so me and Bob Murray don't have a great relationship who did he get rid of that that upset you Richie oh you're a oh you're a Richie fan I am I am that chubby cheeked bastard I love him to death yes he seems like a sweet kid he seems I really wanted I really wanted it to work and it just I did too and I was telling my friend the other night Anaheim Ducks fans did not deserve Nick Ritchie like I'm sorry (laughs) he's just too good for us and look at all the things he's doing in Boston and I'm so happy for him yeah I I I think Nick Ritchie can't get out of his own way I I think Mm. he suffered from coming up in an organization where to a type he certainly fit as far as that physical presence who has some offensive upside Mm -hmm. but I don't think he ever learned how to kind of keep that part of his game under control you know I think he has a really bad habit for taking bad penalties he does and and you know I think like look the reality of it is if he's scoring 25 goals a season I'm less likely to care yeah but if he's scoring 10 goals a season, like, man, I need you to be smarter. I need yeah, you to be yeah. smarter. I I am not someone who thinks all penalties are bad. I don't think all penalties are created equal. I think people, by and large, make a very big deal for not a lot about guys who take penalties. Mm-hmm. You know, I, like, it's, it's a team sport. Like, if, you know, this is just going to happen and you should expect the team should expect to kill a penalty. Yeah. Now, if you do something super stupid, they should kill the penalty, and then when they get in the locker room, smack you in the back of the head, tell you to knock it off. Mm-hmm. But if you get a penalty doing something uh, aggressive, trying something, you know, something like that, the team should have your back. And I and that's, you know, the thing about Richie that I loved is he was very much a team guy. He was very willing to get physical and to go into those areas. He just couldn't seem to not, like, hit a guy in the face four feet in front of the ref in the wrong end <laughs> yeah. of the, you know. And it's 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 right. the little mistakes like that that I think really kind of undercut his ability to be a much more effective player. And I'm I'm happy that he's done well in Boston, but I, you know, I have to be honest. Like, I don't know how hard how hard it really is to be great in Boston, um, given yeah. just how incredibly good that team is. That is true. You know, I and I, I don't mean that to take anything away from him, but I do think when you're like, all right, Nick, you're going to stand in front of the goalie, 
and then you're hmm. just going to swing at every puck you see that you can reach. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome because you have Pasternak, you have Marchand, you have McAvoy, you know, you had Krug yeah. last year. Like, you have these guys who can make things happen around him that put him in a position to be effective. Exactly. He just never had that chance in Anaheim and, you know. The Kasha thing is a whole other thing, you know. Oh, yeah. I, ugh, that's just a... I don't know. I don't know what to do about that. I um. I just think it's such a crazy convoluted thing and the concussions and the contracts and the selling low and selling high and yeah. David Backus and all that stuff. Um, let's see. All right. Well, let's get to the silly questions real quick and then we'll get out of here. So, Joel Fetterchuk... Sorry, Joel, if I said that wrong. Uh, why isn't Jaguar in the Hockey Hall of Fame? Long story short, I have no idea. Do you think he's a Hall of Famer? I don't know. Because, like, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, yes, I do have a little bit of extensive knowledge about the Ducks, but, like, as far as, like, I didn't become a fan until, like, 2013. So, like, I wasn't really around right. while he was on the team. And I don't really know much about his career outside of the Ducks. Yeah. So, again, that's kind of an area where I'm not very well versed in. So I would have to go and kind of basically just, like, break down his entire career. And that would take me, like, an entire day because my ADHD is all, like, <laughs> Like, literally, sometimes it takes me five hours to write an article. So, if you ever read one of my articles, just know lots and lots of love has been put into that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, like I said, long story short, I have no idea. Yeah, I I love Jaguar. I have a very hard time thinking that he should be a Hall of Famer. I think if Anaheim wants to retire his jersey, that is a conversation that I'm open to to having because i mean he won a con smythe on a losing team yeah like that matters like i think yeah you know he was a huge part of that team for a long time and i think if they feel that as the goalie who helped get them to the first stanley cup as the goalie who almost single-handedly got them to their first stanley cup finals mm -hmm. i think there's a genuine conversation to be had that he deserves it yeah and I think that's fair. I, I do not know, though, that he is a Hall of Fame caliber player. But I don't think that's bad. It's the Hall of Fame, and it's really hard to get in. And I don't think it yeah. should be seen as a personal failure by any player to not get oh, in. Oh, yeah, definitely not. Yeah. Let's see here. Uh, all right. So this is a very important topic on this show. And your opinion on this will have far-reaching repercussions uh are you okay. a del taco or taco bell person okay let me be honest here and this is from dave i don't really like taco bell but i have never eaten at del taco before so i'm gonna say taco time because i'm a pacific northwest girl oh off the board answer <laughs> That's that's very disappointing. Taco Bell is the perfect food. They don't. Have, um, they don't have Del Taco here in Arizona, or at least not where I'm at. Good. You don't want it's bad. Don't eat it. 
Okay. It's not good. Well, Unless know, you're just... in Barstow, then it's okay. <laughs> okay. But I mean, I don't know. It's just so my dad was like a manager or a general manager for like taco time for forever. So that's what I grew up eating. Like mm. I dig so, that. I'm I'm hundred percent really here for family. Taco like Bell that. very often. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, someone named Davi, I think is how you say that. Davi asked, "How many cardigan sweaters does Sierra own?" I have no idea where so, this came from. I live in Arizona, and right now, uh, today the high was 114 degrees. Are you trying to say? It and wasn't in the cardigan winter, weather? it's yeah. We don't really have cardigan weather down here. Grand, I am from Washington, so I will admit I have like. Do crewnecks count as a sweater? Oh, they 100% do. Okay, then I have like four. There you go. There's my answer. Funny answer is four. There you go. Uh, Shock wants to know, who is the best looking FM host and why is it Eddie? Well, I will just say the reason that that's the answer is because the rest of us are trolls and it's a very low bar to clear. <laughs> so we'll just move right past that. Uh, okay, and then let's, how do I say this name? Dai? I don't know. I can't quite say this name. Um, who has the best hair on the team? And then they list a couple of players. Uh, Comtois, Zegers, Driesdale, Getze. Ryan Getzloff, hands down. Yeah, okay. As long as we agree on that. Who's <laughs> second place then? Um, I'd say I gotta go with Comtois. He was rocking the flow this season. I appreciated that. I, here's the thing with Comtois. The only thing about his, his flow, his lettuce, as it were, mm. is it feels very, like, high school sophomore-y to me. Like, his hair okay, is just yeah. that long, and it's just a thing. Like, he doesn't, Yeah. if you told me he did not own a comb or a brush, it would never surprise me. If you said he was one of those guys who used, like, three-in-one body wash, conditioner, shampoo stuff, I would believe you. He seems like that kind of guy. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, I 100% I... believe if you got close to him, he smells like Axe body spray. Oh, God. Why? Why? I, I see that. I can see that. I, I, hey, I, I will say I have been there, so I get it. Um, I smelled I, I like Axe body brother, spray for a so... while. It wasn't great. Yeah, I have, I have a little brother, and he went through that phase. Everybody goes through it. It's fine. Uh, for my money, I do think the best hair on the team is Gibby. Uh, okay. I think it's perfect. However, I do like that Silverberg gets a nod for his Draco Malfoy look. Yes, Draco Malfoy. We love it. We love a bad boy. Oh. <sighs> Uh, so real quick before we wrap up, I just want to ask you, is there, is there any takeaways that you had from this season? Are there anything going into next season? You know, regardless of some of the noise about trades and drafts and stuff like this, just kind of, you know, just where you're at with this team. Is there, is there any big things that you're looking forward to or you're concerned about questions you have, anything like that? When it comes to the Ducks, I am very cautiously optimistic, and I know that kind of sounds like a contradiction a little bit, but... 
they do have a lot of pieces that I am excited about. And I'm just, I'm hoping for the best, yet expecting the worst. So will I be disappointed if the Ducks have a horrible season? No, because that's where my expectations are. My expectations are pretty dang low. Like, the Ducks would have to do something pretty stupid <laughs> to, to, yeah. Um, but, you know, I feel like they have the flexibility to go out and get a few good players in free agency or via trade. They have players on the team right now that they could potentially use as trade pieces. Um, Gibson, Raquel, Manson. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also have, you know, the young guys, like, Comtois had a really good season. And it's like, I was, I'm not going to lie. Like, I was not the biggest fan of him two seasons ago. Mm-hmm. I, maybe I'm a little biased, but everybody seemed to, like, throw off the argument that it was going to be one Max or the other. And I was like, if we have to have one Max, it's got to be Max Jones. Like, no ifs, ands, or what's about it. But I feel like they've kind of separated themselves as kind of, like, different yeah, definitely. Players I, over I definitely this last agree season. with you. And I know that, like, Comtois played, like, a lot of, like, I think he played roller hockey over the summer, and I feel like that really kind of helped some of the things that he was struggling with on the ice. And granted, I always say, you know, if your best goal scorer is only scoring 16 goals, then that's a big problem in and of itself. But the fact that he's so young and this was his first full season and he led the Ducks in, I think he led them in points and goals, Mm -hmm. if I'm remembering correctly. Like, that's a lot to, like, be optimistic about. Plus, you have, like, you have Max Jones and you have um, Isaac Lundestrom, who showed some progress this season. Um, You have Trevor Zegras, Jamie Drysdale, and I mean... I was so excited about this trade at the trade deadline, but we have Hayden Flurry. I love that guy. Yeah, I um, I was very much a fan of him coming over. I thought he just, he was a little bit of a breath of fresh air, to be honest. Yes, yes. So we have all a lot of different players that we can be excited about. Plus, I mean, even though the expansion draft going into it is kind of scary, I feel like that'll be fun too. And I just... I feel like it's going to be an interesting summer, but again, like I said, I approach it with uh, cautious optimism. No, I I 100% agree with you. I I definitely think, um, you know, yeah, you hit it right on the head, I think. You know, I I don't know that it's the best thing in the world when you're leading goal scorer and leading points is only a 16-goal guy, but at the same time, I'm not going to knock Max Comtois for the context mm. that he's in. His individual exactly. performance is not something... Like, I'm not going to hold it against him that the roster isn't good because he had a good season. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, I, I think that's exactly right. Um, there's a lot of reason to be excited about him, to see what he can kind of develop into. Hopefully, he can either hit 40 goals or learn to play defense. Either one would be fine with me. Um you know, but I think I definitely could see him being a an important impact level player on this team going mm-hmm. forward. You know, and it'll just be about really finding those high end couple more players to really put this team over the edge. Um, yeah. 
so, yeah, I, you know, I, I feel like we got to, well, I know we got to everything that we wanted to talk about, but I feel like Actually, we Actually, we did not. What did we not talk about? We oh, my goodness. We did not talk about muffin fish. What is muffin fish? <laughs> okay, so I am notorious for, I have hearing issues. When I was younger, I always had ear infections, and it just caused some, like, there's a lot of scar tissue in my ears, so sometimes I'm, like, my hearing isn't always there. And I was at work the other day, and my coworker said something about, he has, he does this to bug me, because he does, he knows that I don't like it when he talks badly about himself, because I think he's a great person. And I don't think anybody should talk badly about themselves. But I know it's hard. We're our own worst critics. But he was talking about... He said, I want to eat a live puffer fish. And I heard, I would like to eat a muffin fish. (laughs) And I was like, what the hell is a muffin fish? And he's like, he's like, you need to get your eyes checked because your hearing's going bad and I'm like what did you say and he's like I want to eat a live puffer fish I'm like oh my god and then he grabbed a piece of paper and drew this muffin fish and now it's this running joke at work and he's like everybody's like in on it now and so yeah that's muffin fish for you the world needs more muffin fish I think I think uh I think the muffin fish is a very important member of the aquatic bakery ecosystem yes Muffin fish brings me lots of joy. That picture made me laugh. I just, I'm like, because <laughs> it's so fun. It's like, I, I'm sure I had a very similar reaction to what you did in that moment where it's like, how are these two words we're putting together right now? Like, how did we go muffin fish, muffin fish? And I, <laughs> sure, why not? That's fine. Nothing matters. Well, Sierra, I cannot begin to tell you how much I enjoyed this, how, how grateful I am that you were willing and able to join me for this. Um, I had a lot of fun. Where can everybody find your stuff? Um, Pucksofafeather.com or follow us on Twitter. I believe our it's just at Pucksofafeather. Um, but, you know, you can also find us on Facebook or you can follow me on Twitter. So. All right. I don't know. I don't know what my Twitter at is off the top that's, of my head. No, it's fine. <laughs> but um, but we'll yeah. put it out there. So, shameless plug. Check out our stuff. We got a bunch of great writers, and we have, funny enough, a bunch of our old writers are like, even though the ducks suck, we want to come back. So, if you had a favorite writer back in the day, you know, they might be coming back. Right. Exciting things. It sounds like for you guys at Pucks of a Feather. Yeah. For sure. Well, that's exciting. Again cannot tell you how much i enjoyed this it was wonderful to talk to you uh i always enjoy you on twitter even if we're not going to get into it but you do seem to be a bit of a dreesdale skeptic which i think is benny i think it's his fault that is a lot of influence from benny and yeah we can blame him for that okay all right well everybody thank you guys so much for tuning in uh we will absolutely continue to have more stuff coming out over the next couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to want to do a draft thing. We are going to do an expansion draft thing. I think there's some dumb, fun stuff we want to try to get down. We're hoping to get some interviews, things like that. Uh, but if nothing else, we will continue to try to do little stuff like this and just keep 
you know, try to keep as current as we can with everything going on. Uh, thank you so much. Everybody have a great weekend. I don't know what I'm talking about. We're going to go. Okay, bye.